Well, first of all, we're sorry. You know, we, we, we wanted to come here and put on a show and win a football game. The crowd was outstanding. I mean, this was just a fantastic experience, I think, for all of us. There's guys in that locker room that had never been across the pond. And uh, just the, uh, the hospitality from the fans when we were out, you know, me and Alan on Friday was outstanding. The crowd response today, taking the field was incredible. Uh, seeing the different flags from different countries was amazing. Our, the fans were loud the entire time. It was outstanding. And uh, so, so much love for Packer world. Uh, you know, I think we can say that now. It's been Packer Nation uh, for the first 100 and couple years. And hopefully the team will get a chance to come back and, and play here again because it was a special week for all of us, one that we'll never forget. Well, obviously, it would have been a little sweeter with a win, but uh, big, uh, uh, big loads of gratitude uh, on behalf of our team for the fans and the people of uh, London and the folks at the Grove who were outstanding. The food was just incredible, and the hospitality was first rate. Uh, so big thanks to uh, our European fans, and hopefully we'll be back. Let's go to our little life out here. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's NFL on Twitter. And, of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And London game is in the books. Oh, there's so many talking points. Um, busy, busy weekend. Very busy. But you know what? It's kind of one of those things where, um, not that I'm happy that it's over or anything like that, but this, as I said on you know various uh, newscasts and podcasts and Everything else leading up to it. You know, we kind of had two goals, main goals. Three, really. Setting up the group almost 10 years ago. One was the London game, which we thought would come first. In tandem with that, it was to build up the fans and community and Packers society over here. And set up a little bit of infrastructure, I guess, as to, you know, how to support the team, how to get access to the team, how to find out more about the team, how to be visible to the Packers from over here. Um, which is something that I think we've accomplished very well uh, since we've set up. And, you know, I think that sort of stood to us. We've Mark Murphy on the podcast. They know about us. They give us a pre-order on Cheeseheads. And, you know, I'm, I, I really felt like here we did all we could to try to get as many people tickets as we could. I, You know, even down to giving away my own personal tickets by sourcing other tickets and then giving them away. Um, setting other people up with tickets that haven't got them by trying to connect people, which was very dodgy, you know, because I, I sort of found that earlier on that when I was trying to connect people and you think you're doing the right thing, but then you realize, oh, yeah, well, you know, if you don't know the seller, well, then you could be setting up the buyer whose dream it is to get the tickets into a bit of a snare. Um, and I learned that earlier on because I got a DM from a guy saying, oh, this person that you sort of alerted me to that had tickets, like, do you know this person? Can you trust them? You know, and I had to make sure that fairly early on, I was just like, look, I, I cannot stand over most of this stuff. I can only alert that they are selling them. And I didn't believe for an instant that you would see so many scalpers out there. There was so many people came in, you know, just these random bot spam accounts trying to sell stuff, which was bizarre, really, that they're that sophisticated that they can get onto it, you know. Um, and of course, there's real people behind some of those accounts as well. Um but I have to say, I didn't hear one story of anybody getting ripped off. Um, 
you know, the guy who runs the Packers Spares UK account had some great advice for people too, sort of what to look out for. Um, so there was that aspect of it too. There was a couple of people I met at the watch parties that had said that they were given tickets and then they fell through. So they got onto StubHub or via GoGo or whatever it was. And then they were emailed, you know, literally a couple of days before or the day before to say that the ticket seller didn't actually have those tickets available. And it fell through. And one of those guy, guys was a guy called Sean. And I was able to get him and his mate who had a birthday into the Hippodrome watch party, even though it was sold out. Um, and it was lovely little stories kind of like that as we went along. So like, you know, there was connecting the community and making us accessible to the Packers. I believe that, you know, we have done a good job and hopefully we'll continue to do a good job with that. We bring people to Lambeau Field, which was number two. And we didn't know that that would come well before London. And then London came and went. And it's kind of just, I don't know whether it's a bit of a relief that it's happened now. And, you know, after all the talk of, because every year was the same. You know, we get someone to, oh, my mate works in NFL UK. And, you know, he found out that, you know, and it never came through and um, and never came through. Depends on how wire you share. So, you know, it's just mad that it happened and it seemed to happen in a rush too. And it was a Packers home game, uh, which was something that we still got heat from. So Wes Hod gave us a shout out on game day just to say look I'm, you know, I'm really happy for UK Packers and Steely the NFL you know all the work you put in it's, it's great that the team are coming over and even underneath that there was lads diving in feet first and off the top ropes to say oh yeah well this never should have happened you know instead of just letting the, the UK and European fans in general and, and way outside of Europe you know we saw people coming from South America from Uruguay we saw people flying from Bali uh, an awful lot of the American contingent came over. The news stations had an absolute field day. Um, you know, Good Morning Wisconsin was doing live broadcast here. You know, we hung out with those at Belushi's and then Rich Ryman, uh, the journalist, was hanging about. So, you know, Rich well, you know, from going back and forth over the years. But, yeah, it's bizarre that it's kind of like of the bingo card of things that we could do, we've added London to that bingo card now. Uh, which was incredible. The game itself, not great, but look, it was just unbelievable. The thing is, it was the most represented game from any one fan base uh, that with the Packers there. It was at least 10 to 20 to 1 for Giants, and there was some sort of neutrals of different teams, but to play Jersey Bingo on the weekend was actually pretty difficult because it was just overrun by Packers fans. It was just incredible to see, and I'm really proud to be part of the community over here that did that. We saw Cheesehead TV come over, have a blast, um, and an awful lot of their followers and they brought their beer over and all that good stuff. The Packers everywhere pep rally was class and it was great to hook up with the Packers on some of these events um, and to be involved in them and to see so many of our followers, you know, win prizes and get to see buddies that they haven't seen in such a long time as well. But the kind of thing, you know, from a UK Packer perspective, from setting this thing up 10 years ago, that kind of baffled me a bit and kind of it's just it got really tiresome was just a shock that we were so well supported because, you know, we'd promised Mark Murphy year on year going to Lambeau and privately and on the podcast uh, that this was going to be a home game, a true home game, whether it was a designated home game or not. And it was. Um, and to see people being shocked at that was kind of surprising because, you know, we've worked hard to try build a community as much as we can. And then you have Packers Germany, you have Packers France, you know, Packers Spain, Packers Hungary, Packers Turkey. Packers, Sweden, you know, like they're Mexico. There's just, you know, Europe and beyond and Brazil have a massive group. You know, there's an awful lot of people working very hard to grow the group. Even within the States, the SoCal Packer backers are fantastic as well. And I met some podcasters and stuff um, 
you know, throughout the weekend that have worked hard to, to unite the fan base and give their sort of spin of the content. So it was bizarre to me to sort of see people so flabbergasted, you know. Uh, but I think there was a real disconnect between what the, you know, top brass in America felt this game was going to pan out like than what it did. If you look at Belushi's, the pep rally, that had a capacity of 200 people. And we aggressively pushed people to that because it sounded like a fantastic event. And also they gave us that option to pre-order our cheese heads, which actually ended up being cheaper than anywhere uh, in London to get them. Because when they brought them over, they were £60. We were selling them for €60, which is £52. Uh, They're not available anymore. It was only a pre-order to get them at that uh, pep rally. So, you know, we sort of said, look, this is a perfect opportunity. Let's meet on the Saturday when people are down uh, with the strikes. But to have a venue of only 200 people. Now, I believe the way it works is, is that they will have NFL registered properties and the NFL will take them over and snap them up on retainer and then put events on. So there was... um. You know, a couple of venues, but that one there, it was, it was curious to me that it was so little because, you know, we'd sort of been given an indication that it was 12 and we put the shout out for that. And because of that, and some people arrived at nine and they were queuing from nine and the queue went all the way around the side of the building and it stayed that way till half five. And then it started to simmer down a bit, but there was always a queue outside. And often like people arrived and said, no, the queue's too long and then left as an example. So I just think that was kind of a disconnect there as well that, you know, they didn't even put on enough space in the pep rallies. I'm not blaming the Packers for this. This is because it's all sort of organized at an NFL level. But then also the game being at Tottenham alone. I mean, you know, they gave up 20, 30,000 seats compared to what it would be in Wembley. And again, I, funnily enough, I went on a plane over from Dublin. I got sitting beside a guy from Kenosha, Wisconsin, of all things. The first thing he did was swear at me by saying, go back, go, and throwing in a few expletives there, which, you know, I'm Irish, so I'm all for. Um, and he ended up sitting beside me, and they were convinced that his wife was from San Diego. Um, what were their names? David, Dave, and Susan, something really normal. Um, but they um, they brought their cheeseheads from America, and he said, oh, they don't really believe in the cheesehead thing, because, you know, he's a man dude from, you know, Wisconsin, and... You know, he said that he wouldn't really be into wearing them or whatever. Um, but his wife bought them and she thought it was a blast. And they packed them in their suitcase and they were going to come over to London. And he said, oh, it's going to be like, we're going to be like, where's Waldo? You know, I'm going to be going around to all the sites and people are going to be taking pictures of us because they're going to think we're crazy. And, you know, it's going to be so weird for everybody. And little did he know that, you know, we're already here. The UK Packers and the fans who don't even know anything about the UK Packers, just fans in the UK who are Packers fans, overrun the place. And they were overrunning the place for a week before. So it just goes to show, like, you know, from an American perspective, they're like, oh, do you even know what that is? And I'll play a little snippet later of where Aaron Rodgers talks about fans and he talks about roll out the barrel and all that kind of stuff. So on that initial opening piece, he seemed pretty um, optimistic. He was grateful. He was uh, apologetic for such a bad performance, which, you know, we'll jump into a little bit, but I won't go on too much because you've all heard the tropes by now. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that kind of baffled me is just how they played down how popular the Packers are uh, over here. And I'm glad that we showed out and that so many people from so many different areas, including the States, came over and had an absolute blast, which leads me to the watch parties. You know, that was a privilege to put them on. And there's a few little stories that kind of stand out about them. You know, some people come in solo, which I love to see. And, you know, it takes a lot of bravery to do it and that they can come and feel welcome there so that was brilliant 
Um, I met a couple of lovely people like Dan B uh, was there. There was a family from Ireland who were actually originally American. Um, and they'd reached out to see if they could, because we had the family-friendly one in Bloomsbury, which was an incredible venue, uh, and the Hippodrome, which is just out of this world as well. Um, so at Bloomsbury, they had requested a table for their son who had, you know, special needs and sensory issues. And, you know, we were able to make that happen. And just to see those guys in there, you know, having a great time and the parents having a brilliant time, the kids happy, um, him playing on his iPad and, you know, hearing stories about how they love to travel and, and stuff like that, which was just really nice to see, like, families there and people who, you know, there was Americans there who tried their hardest to get tickets to the game and I got chatting with them. There was the Scottish women that looked American to me, but they ended up being Scottish, which, you know, how do you mix that one up? But just the Bloomsbury Lanes and, and Errol and all the people, I, they're not going to listen. I, don't, I hate when people do this when they give their shout-out to their two-year-old son's birthday on Facebook and address it to him as if he has an account, but... If he is listening or anybody's listening, I want to give appreciation to Bloomsbury Lanes uh, because they set that up uh, really quick. They were met every sort of demand and there wasn't really many from us. Um, and we oversold that. And I didn't know until I arrived on the day that there was actually 240 people uh, booked in to go to that one because what he said was he was expecting uh, refunds and stuff, which I didn't know he was processing himself because we had to do that for the Hippodrome ourselves as part of that switch list. Um and it just built and built and built and I got more manic so I know people tried to join the switch list very late in the day I was even getting messages on the day of the game um, and to try to organise that you know it was up until the we are getting out to tiny violence but it was up in the wee hours of the morning that was a bit of an insight just switching people on and off the list and you know moving stuff around and then people that booked Bloomsbury but they wanted the Hippodrome and that wasn't originally what the switch list was for but I tried to accommodate those requests as possible where I could but you know I got a couple of videos and I'll I'm going to try to do a montage montage of all of the London stuff. So all of the fan videos that came in and all of the videos that I took. And, you know, Bloomsbury is just fantastic. It's a venue that goes down of bowling lanes. They're the biggest pizza ever. There's a dedicated little restaurant thing, but there was a screen in front of that. So you could sit there, eat and watch the game, which was incredible. And then there was booths just outside that. There was private karaoke rooms and all of them had TVs in it that people could go in and watch. Um... You know, there was a dedicated bar and bar staff there. It was completely booked out for us, which was unbelievable. And the screen location all over the venue was brilliant. And there was even a buzzing sound that was there. And on setup when I was in there with Errol, he, you know, he's working till six in the morning. And he eventually got that buzzing noise worked out, which was unreal. So me personally, I stayed there, got everybody set up, didn't see an ounce of the game. And then brought Cheeseheads over to the Hippodrome, the people that pre-ordered Uh Don and Neve and all the gang over there and, and handed them out when I got over, you know, met up with uh, Dan Kotnick. If you're listening, Dan, absolute gent there with his wife. Uh, his baby son was being minded by his cousin because the, they bribed her to come over. Uh, if she did a couple of hours babysitting, she'd get a free holiday. So I think she looked out there. Um, yeah, just an absolute blast. And it was great that people come over from America. They were trying to get tickets to the game. They couldn't and they ended up at the watch party in Hippodrome. Man, unreal. Lola's. Yeah, it was where we are. It's this big room. Again, 200 plus people uh, booked in there. The food was great. The screens were just unbelievable. It just it was like something out of Minority Report. So it was a blast. You know, it was very busy and trying to get stuff done. But it was brilliant to be able to stop at certain points in the night, like to talk to Luke and Neve, chat away to them um, about life, you know, and about Packer stuff. Uh, the game could have went better. But, you know, it's just... It was just so lovely to accommodate as many people as I could and, and get to meet people and 
you know, share stories and see like one guy was there sitting beside Don and he was he's coming on the trip to Green Bay, the solo trip to Cowboys Titans. You know, and just relaying the fact that he never had anybody to go with and he's solo and he only found a group a year ago and he's not good with technology, but he listens to a couple of the podcasts when he can figure it out. Um, and he's going to go and realize that dream in the States. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And it was great to see people join Patreon and they won tickets to the game. And what I was doing with Patreon then as well was, is you know, because you put it out uh, publicly and I do, uh, but then you get an awful lot of bots jumping on. So I was able to stick in the Patreon group as well. You know, look, I've, there's a couple of tickets here. This is the person. If anybody's there, I'll try connect you. And just to try sort of late doors, get people involved. And it's great to see more interaction there from that community as well. Because I really, really appreciate anybody who's on Patreon. I don't try to flog it uh, too much. And I use it as a vehicle to uh, import merch and then just give it away. And, you know, if the Patreon gets bigger and, you know, we get more income from it, uh, which all goes straight directly back to the group. Well, then what I'll do is, is I'm hopefully going to get enough to be able to pay for someone, all expenses paid, to go to Lambeau Field on one of our annual tours. And that could be a yearly thing, including giving away prizes every single month. And speaking of, I got a massive order in from the States as well, just before I left. So I have a March unboxing video to do and some absolutely stellar stuff there. Uh, as an example, there's a Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver signed dual mini which is unbelievable. I've got a massive Aaron Jones uh, picture. I also have two full-size helmets of two really dynamite players, and I'm very excited to show you that. So that's coming out in the, in the unboxing. So again, if you had a good weekend or you're at the watch parties and you appreciate what we do and you're interested in signed merch and T-shirts and all that kind of good stuff, well, then go to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and feast your eyes on the merch unboxing. That's coming up. So look, we lost the game. Uh, we probably lost the game. You know, we lost it for a number of different reasons. The defense didn't show up. We know that, uh, which is baffling with the talent that we have there. Um, there's enough. To, you know, here's the talking points, and I'll, I'll run through them. I won't try explain them to you, but basically, this is what's whizzing around. If you're not in the know, was one that Joe Barry is somehow incompetent or can't coach. It's a poorly coached team. The premise is is that they have so many first round picks and. You know, this was such a lauded defense. It was giving Aaron Rodgers and co. so much trouble in the offseason. And again, I kind of quipped sarcastically before the season that they were saying that the Packers had the number one defense in the NFL without even taking a snap. But this is what I'm talking about, you know. I'd say it's incredible. They're the number one defense. They're, they're the most accomplished defense before they ever play a game. And it was just sounded bizarre to me. And now that we take the field, it is bizarre because... You know, there's again, you've probably heard it, but if not, the Packers are getting beaten left, right and center on slants. We just seemingly can't defend them. Stokes is always a step behind, um, you know, Sauvage, Douglas, Campbell, you know, our defensive players aren't covering themselves in glory. They're not doing the fundamentals. There's some really bad, grisly missed tackles. You know, we're coming up against teams that are very one dimensional, very one sided. You know, you've Daniel Jones, who you know, Danny Dimes, my butt, um, and he's injured, and we can't contain them, we do an alright job in Saquon Barkley, we do seemingly what we need to do to curtail him, but then he ends up breaking off a run in places that he shouldn't, um, and then on offense, you know, an awful lot of blame can be laid on play calling, on Aaron Rodgers trying to play hero ball, and put that in quotations, you know, going for a pass on third and fourth down when a run would have done and all of that's completely valid. You know, the coaching was bad. The play calls stank. Uh, the adjustments were non-existent. Um, and it just wasn't a good look. But, you know, from looking at the people who were experts at breaking down the tape, 
they sort of reassure people out there to say, look, it's not as bad as you think you are. Because let's just take those third and fourth down plays. And they've been broken down by enough people on Twitter. But when you look at it and you see just how much the box is stacked. Now, I saw someone make a good point of, well, when you're down in the red zone, every box is stacked. You're going to have that. They're going to anticipate the run um, and play press man. The field is condensed. And that's a completely valid point. Um, but you could see it that if they stack the box, you go for the run. Um, and you don't get it, and then you get criticised because they say, well, it was quite obvious to everybody that that was stacked. You were never going to get anything. So what were you thinking? Um, conversely, you go for the pass and they say, for God's sake, it's third and short, fourth and short. You needed two yards and you can't do it. And they asked Aaron Jones about it. A guy who's, yes, ma'am, no, sir, uh, military discipline and background. And even he came out with the phrase of, you know, I'd put money on it that me or AJ would have been able to get those yards. And he isn't wrong. Because when you look at the stats, the Packers were averaging, I think it was about four and a half to five yards per carry uh, up to that point. And then when they did run the ball after that, I think it was something like five carries for 25 yards, which is five yards per carry. So again, would it have ran time off the play clock? Yes. Uh, Would it have got the yardage? Probably, uh, because they were all night. So again, it's just a case of, you know, getting away from what the Packers do well. But, you know, sometimes the Packers try to be too cute. And it's sort of in the DNA of Green Bay. We expect to win. We think the big plays are going to come off. Uh, But it was interesting that they asked Rodgers in the press conference, uh, you know, are you trying to play the style of a team that isn't that team anymore, basically? You don't have Devontae Adams. You're not a passing, you don't have that passing strength there. Uh, now, again, this is all perceived. Um, so Roger said they weren't his calls to make, but he 100% agrees with the calls, which is, again, kind of in his trademark form of it's not my fault, but I don't want to throw people under the bus, even though I did. But also, you know, it's kind of a wishy-washy answer. So he said earlier in the interview that he stood over the calls he thought they were good, that they could have came off. And then when he was pressed about, well, you don't have that team anymore, he said, yeah, fair point. I know what you're saying. I don't like what you're saying. I don't like that level of questioning, but you have got a valid point. It's not my decision to do it, but, you know, I I get it. I get it. So, again, you know, you either are loyal to it or not, or you want to sort of put that stuff out. But it wasn't a good look. And then Jair Alexander was asked, you know, do you think you'd have cause for concern if you lose next week? He said, I'm not concerned about this week, but next week, yes, if we lose, well, then that's all going to creep in. And then Rogers got out the crystals and said about manifestation and he doesn't want to hear it. But I get that. I get the fact that you want to stay positive. You need a positive attitude and you don't want to be talking about losses and that apparently Rogers heard something in the dressing room. So as much as you can take the piss out of Rogers for manifestations and the power of words and all this, he's not wrong. I don't think so. You know, and I'm not talking about, you know, and people are going to bring ayahuasca into this or whatever, but I'm just thinking like, you know, he's a leader at the end of the day who's been criticised enough. And he just wants to say, let's just stop talking about losing. Let's do the cliche stuff of one game at a time. Let's go into it and stop worrying about, oh, do we pull the, the brakes? But I'm not saying there's nothing bad about Jair Alexander. He was just offering his opinion. I don't think for an instance he was saying that they're going to lose. Um, But look, and speaking of Devontae Adams, there's massive debate out there. And I kind of got a bit peed off when people kept mentioning him because I'm like, it's an ex-girlfriend, you know, like... When you meet your mate who's broken up, you don't just bang on about Becky all the time. Just let it go, you know. Let like, And that's the way it was with Devontae Adams, and I thought it was unfair. It did a disservice to Green Bay. It did a disservice to Devontae himself. He was fantastic in Green Bay. 
He was an unbelievable player, a pleasure to watch, a very super talented, the best wide receiver in the league when he was with Green Bay. And he's struggling in with the Rangers. And it's that sort of schadenfreude, isn't it? Where, oh yeah, you know, you like to see him struggling because he's not on the team anymore. Screw him. But like, why, why does that have to be the attitude? You know? Why can't we be mature about it? Say, you know, on your way, do your thing. Because that's the thing. They blame the Packers as well as if we let Devontae go of some sort. Devontae looked at it and, you know, I don't want to f- flail a dead horse here. But they looked at it and sort of said, look, Rogers might not be here in a year. Um, so I'm going to cut my losses. And he did what's best for him. And it's not working out. But in a really grisly turn is that Devontae was caught on camera coming off the field and he pushes over a cameraman. And there's a number of different angles and I've tweeted out both of the main ones. One looks really bad, like Devontae just threw a tantrum and pushed him out to the ground and it looked horrendous. And then another one, not that it redeems Devontae Adams, in my opinion, was where the cameraman kind of skulks across right in front of him at the last moment. Devontae Adams had his head down and when he lifts it up, he kind of almost makes contact. And sort of as a reactionary thing, he puts his hand out and pushes the guy to the ground. Um... I take the point that, you know, the cameraman was in his way. I, it did look reactionary from one angle. But look, you do it, you push him over. Devonta came out and said he was wrong. He also said that he felt terrible straight away. But I didn't see him trying to pick the guy up. Now, in, like, predictable fashion, the photographer who got pushed over, uh, you know, went to hospital and is filing a police report. And I see criticism about that saying, oh, well, he's not hurt. He's not this, that, and the other. We don't know the ins and outs. It looks like a push. You would assume there's no real damage there. But who are we to know? You know, like people pick up strange injuries all the time. Go back and look at uh, Sharp's injury for the Packers. And you'll see it looks pretty innocuous. It's just a push to the neck, but that did his career. And, um, you know, so I'm not saying that's the case here for any for any moment. And I think... You can kind of read between the lines. However, if you felt remorseful, you would imagine that you'd sort of negate the whole thing by going, oh, damn, sorry, I'm picking the guy up off the ground. He's did it before. He knocked over um, the Packers doctor on the sideline and someone released footage of that too and he picks him up and puts his hat back on him. I understand emotions flare high, but you have to understand that these players are brands now. I've seen Devontae Adams in more ads uh, than I've seen, you know, touchdown catches this season. He's advertising hotels or whatever else he's doing. So he's a brand and it looks bad for your brand when you're pushing over, you know, diminutive cameramen uh, while you're going in. Uh, Because whether you like it or not, it's going to be perceived that you're having a bit of a pisser. You know, that you messed up on the field, that it didn't go your way. You're throwing your helmet on the sideline and then all of a sudden now you're pushing over, uh, you know, little cameramen on the side of the field. It's just a bad look. Uh, It's sort of bully boy tactics and yeah, it doesn't really cover him. In glory, but Roger said it best. He said, "Look, this team is a roller coaster, and that the margin of winning for the Packers is really, really small, uh, which was kind of alarming when you hear him say it. If he believes in the pair of words, but again, I think he's just calling it as he sees it. You know, I mean, it, a couple of drop balls. The Packers on defense have been, you know, pretty shocking. Um, in the first half, they ran away with it, and then the other got away from the game plan. And the Giants made a great adjustment, or likely both." Uh, but for some of the breakdowns that uh, Brian Baldinger did, it looked like the Giants really came to play and they did a good job on defense. But it just goes to show they had Danny Dimes in there. Um, and I heard Osio Manura say before the game that, look, if you're going to stack up these two teams, you just focus on the quarterback. And that if you look at you know Daniel Jones versus Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, he said, is 10 times better than Daniel Jones, which means that the Packers should win. 
And it's not a bad uh, football mathematics to do. But when you see that they won it off the strength of their defense against the back-to-back MVP, well, then why couldn't their defense put something up? So the only thing that I would put this game down to is, and they kind of said it, and it's it's the same as what happened around COVID, is that the teams that are going to come out best are the teams that can adjust to COVID and to, you know, working from home as such and doing video calls and, you know, practicing the little bits that they can and getting the most benefit from it. And I was seeing that if you really took that seriously, well, then you'd have the upper hand. And that's the same with these London games. Um, albeit it's short notice, but we all know that the Packers don't seem to travel well. And from the comments that LaFleur made on the run-up to it, I don't think his head was in it. And I think, again, I don't know whether he speaks derogatory of, you know, long games or Thursday night football games. At the end of the day, I get the point of this, is that the coach only wants what's best for his team, period. So if they have to travel for a long time, it's inconvenient. They've got more complications. They don't have a normal schedule. It throws them out of their rhythm and he doesn't like that. Um, And then it ends up kind of messing the team up. I get that, right? But also as a coach, this is part of the game. Part of the game is Monday night football. It's it's Sunday night football. It's Thursday night football. And there's an awful lot of complaints there. When you look into the injury stats when it comes to Thursday night football, I think they go through the roof because the players are tired uh, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it is part of the job. You know, as a fireman, you'll have to put out fires. You'll have to see grisly scenes. But you'll also have to save the occasional kitten from a tree. You'll have to do an oily calendar. You might need to go up into the hills and put out a hill fire where no one sees it and it's grimy, hard, grueling work. But the thing is, you can't just pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. And it's his job as coach to get his team prepared. Because if he's going to bitch and moan about it, well, then that will feed down to the team. So what is his attitude? Well, let's have a listen. Coaches usually like routines and a lack of distractions. So is this week difficult for you? I'm not going to give you my honest answer. <laughs> I'd rather refrain. It feels like a Thursday night game for us as coaches, uh, just in terms of all the preparation you got to do. And uh, you just, but you just do it. So it is what it is. And LaFleur was involved with other teams that went over as well. So it's not as if this was a complete bolt from the blue. Uh, he knew what he was getting in for. And as well, the Packers, you know, on a fan engagement side of things, on a logistical side of things and team side of things, have consultants for this type of stuff. They reach out to other teams and ask them questions. They reach out to the league. Out of all the teams who should have been prepared for this, it should have been the Packers. They were the last team to do it. Um, he's comments didn't didn't stop there before he came over. Hey, Matt, forgive me if this is a stupid, terrible idea, but did you consider practicing at like 8.30 in the morning, given that that's what the t- game time would be at on the central time zone clock? Uh, no, no. But, no, that's a hell of an idea, Rob. You should have brought that up a couple weeks ago. So why, why not just, just too early and just get over Yeah, there? we're so... I think the whole point of when you go over there is to try to at least with your preparation schedule, try to stay as um, consistent as you would on a normal week, even though it's nothing like a normal week. Um, so it's kind of, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. Now, I see the difference of opinion here. 
we've been waiting for forever them to come over. It was one of the goals of the fan club was to be formed and to make this a great experience for everybody. Plus, the coach seems to be just salty and dumping on it. Uh, so it sort of seems like, you know, we're in our feelings a little bit. But that's not the point I'm, I'm making here because I completely get it from a coach's perspective that it makes his job harder. Um, and not to get too stoic on the podcast, um, but the obstacle is the way here, not to sound like Ryan Holiday. You know, but the, that's the whole point is that you have to come over here and it's not as if you're coming over and it'd be different if there was a London franchise and that you had to travel and that London are training here, they're comfortable in their stadium. The other team are doing it too and the Giants, and I know we can pretend that they're a fantastic team and they absolutely spanked us so they are the better team and we're the better team on the day. The fact that we were, you know, getting the ball out quickly um, and we were sort of negating anything that they could do and it looked like we were running away with it. So as I was running from watch party to watch party, I looked at it and think, this is fantastic. We're bringing all these people together. So many people got to see the game. There'll be so many more people who are going to be exposed to the Packers and see that genius of Aaron Rodgers and see what we see. And then to throw it all away like that in the second half because our defense couldn't come up with it. But it's these challenges. And I think that's the problem with Matt LaFleur's teams when they travel out west. They seem to be conditioned this way. Is that if they feel like A they're going to spank the opponent, which is what they thought in the playoffs last year. Um, You know, they just switch off. And I think when they looked at the Giants and thought, eh, they've got Daniel Jones and they're not as good as they say they are. Saquon Barkley was sort of, you know, questionable. I think he was out with an illness or something. He might not have been top-notch and they become one-dimensional and all they have to do is stop him. And then Daniel Jones does the business and the play calls they make are great. The defensive stops that they do are full of pressure and fantastic but again it's a sort of a game of you know that'd be easy to stand over if they just got trounced the whole game but we didn't we went way up and then as we all know came back to lose and didn't have any answers um and there's all this finger pointing going on but i think that's a real problem with the man again he's a fantastic coach and this team i think has so much potential the defense has superstars on it and i think we can win if we wanted to i just think the attitude stank I know the players were probably, you know, jet-lagged and tired. It's a bit of a fanfare, but the, the Giants had the exact same. And we were eight-point favourites and we got spanked. And it was a home game atmosphere. Um, so again, I think Aaron Rodgers kind of ran away with his mouth a little bit. And I can play the full clip in entirety at the end when he talks about he expected more Packer fans to be there. There was such a roar when he came out onto the field and, you know, when they played roll out the barrel and when they played that, you know, did 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 and get people to go go pack go apologies for singing uh, well that was crazy it honestly sounded like a Lambo game and you know a lot of us know because we go every year fantastic atmosphere um, so that was sort of baffling as well but you know this is a team I think that when they come up against an opponent that they feel is inferior or when they're sort of put out from their usual schedule I think they kind of disintegrate but maybe this is the kick in the arse that they need because we're coming up against the Jets, Robert Sala and friends, and they put up a stinking amount of points on the Dolphins and looked incredibly dangerous. And again, you know, you can point to questionable defense, uh, but you could point to their guys and say the exact same thing. But look, this is what I'll say, and I don't understand why this isn't the thing, is that the Packers have one of the best defenses on paper. Uh, some really talented individuals at the very least. Some good defensive line push, um, when you look at the safety and cornerback tandems that we have, some serious potential there. And at inside linebacker, some upcoming stars mixed in with some absolute success stories, rags to riches stuff from last season. 
So why the defense can't be good is beyond me. When you talk about the offense, you know, Aaron Jones is setting a record-breaking pace with his yards per carry. There's one stage he was averaging 10 yards per carry in one of the games. In the last game there, he averaged five. So you just keep running the ball. You get your first downs eventually after two or three downs. Um, you might not even the third. The third might be just cosmetic. You don't even need it. It's just sort of a backup plan in case you get stuffed. And then you really just pound them. You have the backs to do it. You have the bruising back in AJ Dillon, who'll get you the hard yards. You have Aaron Jones, who's the yak king. And then once you bludgeon them with the run, well, then you go and work off the play action. Your wide receivers, who might not be all that confident, pretty confident now when they're running free downfield instead of trying to play hero ball into double coverage to a receiver who's not even at the spot where you're throwing the ball to because it's after getting jammed. The thing is, is when anything on paper and when you look at it, you can come up with an excuse not to be a certain way. But when you look at Patrick Mahomes or, you know, any of these other teams that find a way to win all the time, it's just, they're just good. When the Packers had the top scoring offense, they were just good. And they believed in themselves and they made the plays. And it wasn't the case where you're like, oh, well, they don't have this. And oh, well, they don't have that. We never let that get in our way before Devontae Adams left before. When he was injured and we won every single game, we won in spite of not having him. Where 90% of the playbook went, allegedly, to him. We found a way to win. Is it quick slants? Is it getting the ball out really quickly? Is it uh, screens? You know, is it just pounding the ball continuously and just, you know, swallowing your pride at that point? The thing is, you know, you don't always have to justify by Devontae Adams is gone and they kind of bamboozle us and Aaron Rodgers is throwing hero balls or high balls or whatever. There's nothing stopping this team with the most winningest coach in such a short tenure that Matt LaFleur has, you know, winning so many of his first games. With Aaron Rodgers, who's a back-to-back MVP, Randall Cobb catches pretty much everything you throw his way and he was extremely um, useful in that game against the Giants you know he was coming down with the ball there was some uncharacteristic drops and stuff like that but look there's an excuse for everything like after a long weekend in London I could have said sod it and sacked off the podcast and all that nothing's making me do this and I could justify it by saying I'm tired and that it's late and that it's this and that it's but that's the thing that's the attitude of a quitter you know and that's the same with the team they could easily just go and say do you know what take the easy yards Keep hitting them with slants. Tekken, keep hitting that X button. Keep kicking them in the face. You know, and there's no reason why we can't. I think the Packers try to get too cute sometimes. And they try to be too complex where they can boil that all down to basics. And say what you like about them, but what they're doing in Dallas is nothing short of outstanding. Third string quarterback, Cooper Rush, is in there. Um, and they're already talking about, you know, do we, do we really roll Dak Prescott back out? Let's just keep rolling with Cooper Rush. Why not? So it can be done and we can make it look easy and it's frustrating that we don't. Uh, but will we get it back on track in the next game? I don't know. I think we can. I think this squad is incredibly talented. Um, it's just disappointing that, you know, we keep falling into these ruts all the time, particularly when we go away. But the general consensus has been that the London games were fantastic. The loss didn't really impact people's opinion. I know some people were annoyed about it and all that kind of stuff. But when they look back on it and the camaraderie that everybody got, um, it just seemed like an absolutely smashing event. So look, keep it here at UK Packers. I've been at Steedy NFL. The merch unboxing is coming. Go to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. There's some silly, silly items in there. And I'll be releasing a video on YouTube really soon. 
But look, it's great to meet everybody at the meetups. Uh, it was brilliant to accommodate people out to watch parties. Uh, I made new friends as always. And a big shout out to all those people. But look, we'll be back for the quick snaps preview on Thursday against the Jets. Keep the faith. You know what? Maybe it suits us better not to have home field advantage and try to be going in steaming it that we're all too good. Or maybe we're going to run from here on out for the rest of the season. Either way, we need to catch up with the Vikings. But anyway, until quick snaps. Speak to you then.